Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their new trailer that they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. For the past few years, they have been filming a documentary entitled The Holstein Dilemma, Heritage Breeds and the Need for Biodiversity, which will be coming out this fall. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. I've always been one that loves to read, and my parents were the type to heavily encourage that type of thing. My sisters and I went through about 30 books a month during our grade school years, so I don't know if my parents knew what kind of expense they were getting into, but they supported that habit nonetheless. When I was in elementary school, my parents introduced me to Marguerite Henry, and she quickly became one of my favorite authors. You may remember her as the one that did all the books about the horses. If you know that there are wild ponies on Assateague Island on the Atlantic coast, or burrows in the Grand Canyon, or that Justin Morgan had a horse, you can probably credit most of that knowledge to Miss Henry's authorship. But the one book that I read cover to cover, again and again, was King of the Wind, the story of the Godolphin Arabian. Now for all of you poor souls that haven't read it, it's an adventure that starts in Morocco with a pedigreed horse named Sham, and a mute boy who was his faithful caretaker. Sham and a few other horses were given as gifts to the French king Louis XV, but life kind of went sideways on the journey over. I'll let you read the book for yourself to learn the whole story of how that little horse became one of the foundation stallions in English track racing. It's a story of intrigue and betrayal and danger, and at the end, a little bit of hanky-panky. All the things we will not cover in our podcast today. Today, we are going to talk about admin. Okay, I probably lost some of you non-bookkeeping types there, but it is the week that tax season ended this year, so I had to go there. Seriously though, the one thing that gets taken for granted is the paperwork side of things, until you actually need it. Ask anyone who decided not to do that part of a transaction and regretted it later. Whether you're dealing with a marriage or divorce, birth or death, banking or law, the paperwork is what clarifies everything for all parties. If you're buying art, the authenticity is what makes the zeros go on the backside of the sales price. If you buy a pair of Levi's, you want to know that they're actual Levi's and not something thrown together that's going to fall apart after you wash it the first time. Whether you buy a Ford or a Chevy, you probably want to get parts from an authorized dealer just to be sure you're getting what you think you're getting. If you're buying a Gucci bag, you want to make sure that your thousands of dollars that you're paying for that thing are for an actual Gucci and not a knockoff. Animals are no different, especially if you're thinking about breeding these babies. It's kind of hard to tell what you're getting into sometimes when you're buying just a little plastic straw. Or when someone says, hey, that's a really great cow, but you're kind of a newbie and you don't know the difference. That straw is going to cost you thousands of dollars by the time it goes where it needs to go and it might be the beginning of the rest of your herd for the next 25 or 50 years. Do you really want to take it on faith that everything will just be okay? So, pretty much all breed organizations have a registrar to take care of this. It's not a glorious job filled with fame and fortune and recognition. 
From what I understand in my conversations with more than one and more than two registrars, it's kind of like working in lost luggage. There's lots of work, it's a thankless task, and tons of complaints. But they still do it. Most of them do it because they're volunteers working in nonprofit organizations doing something that they believe in and that will last way after they're gone. And how many of us can say that? I mentioned King of the Wind earlier because the stallion sham went through quite a bit of trauma because of an issue with documentation, among other things. Yes, paperwork. It all worked out for him in the end because he got to prove himself. But for most of us, we'd rather not take the chance, so we keep our important papers safe. When you have an animal that is the result of years of breeding, that qualifies as something we want a little bit of paper on, just in case. Now that I think about it, we are talking about a breed registry thing, so I guess you could say there is a little bit of that hanky-panky thing going on, but with cattle. So now, we'd like to bring you our interview with Bonnie Hall, Registrar of the American Milking Devon Cattle Association. I'm Bonnie Hall. I'm the Registrar for the American Milking Devon Cattle Association. That's a mouthful. It is. Yes. And I should tell everybody that you and I are sitting out here in the middle of this glorious 89 degree, 93% humidity weather, and you're a little tired as well as me because you just got done working your young oxen around the ring. That's correct. For us to film. Yes. So you just don't stay behind a desk all day long. You do other things too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you in the podcast is because we talk about breed organizations a lot. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in a breed organization that makes it worthwhile, that makes it legitimate. And it's, to be honest, seems like to me the whole purpose in many ways is to record That's right. and preserve. That's right. So uh, I, I'm going to the American Milking Devon Cattle Association website, and it, I'm just going to read these really quickly. Some of the things your organization is... Um, founded to do is to promote the historic and now rare breed of cattle known as the American Milking Devon, to support and encourage members of the association who keep these cattle, to maintain the official herd book, aha, Bonnie, yes. of the breed and issue certificates of registration, uh, gives guidance on and provides a forum for discussion of issues related to the breed and seeks to conserve the genetic stock and promote the viability of the triple-purpose milking-style Red Devon. Okay, so, as registrar, what do you do? Well, I do record uh, births and transfers of animals all around the country and in Canada. First of all, someone has to be a member of the association. Uh, you can buy an animal and not be a member, but um, I think that you should be a member if you want to re uh, preserve the historic breed and the heritage breed of Devons and you're buying a registered animal, first step should be to join the association. Oh yeah, but that's a very expensive thing. Tell me how much it costs. It's a whole $20 a year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people spend <laughs> yes exactly more on lattes than than uh, to join the association. Um, if you are going to register an offspring, an animal, any animal, you have to be a member. A lot of people decide to just join the association as soon as they purchase Devons, and I love to see that happen. 
I, I send them out a welcome letter when I receive the transfer that comes in from the seller and encourage them uh, to keep up with their registrations to uh, if they have any questions uh, that I can help with I'm, I'm available to help by email is my um, preferable way to, to do it in this busy world I'd, I'd rather get an email um, but I will talk on the phone too and then uh, if it's genetic question or uh, something related to that line I will uh, give them to Ray Clark and he is a wonderful resource for them. So you kind of direct people in I do. places I'm too. I'm like an operator sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Now we actually when Rick went to I think it was the Virginia State Fair he actually met somebody that joined the association before they ever were able to have Devons just because he said hey this is a really important breed to preserve and you guys are kind of the ones doing the preservation part of that. Yes. So you can help to, that's, the dues also go toward that, not just for the resources, correct? That's correct. Okay, fantastic. So if you're a person that wants to breed Devons, what does registration do for you? Oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, as our mission statement uh, says, that it is to um, maintain this triple purpose of the breed by, by maintaining this breed registry, um, and uh, encourages knowledgeable and responsible breeding and educating the public about the historic role of the Devons, um, as well as their place in a healthy, sustainable agriculture. So you will have pedigreed animals, you'll have pedigreed offspring, and you'll be able to sell that animal if you want to sell that animal um, at a very good value. So, so this is the kind of prevent the knockoff thing, right? Absolutely. But, you don't want a grade animal. Okay. You know, if it, if it seems too good to be true and you're out there uh, as, a, as a buyer, I encourage people to ask the questions of the seller. But also they can call me and ask me if, whoever the buyer is, if they register their cattle regularly, if they're members. Because the, the worst thing about being a registrar is a new buyer is so happy to have bought these beautiful animals. They've spent a lot of money before they even get them onto their farm. And they've been promised papers. And the paperwork is either never going to be forthcoming or it'll be years coming. And it's frustrating. Meanwhile, they're breeding. They've bought a bull or they're buying semen. And they've got animals that could be registered, but because of the seller's apathy, I don't know what I don't know what it is. But I, we've had that issue, and I feel terrible. I can't do anything about it. And that's one thing. If I could change, that it would be to have people that that love this breed for for this breed, and not for just for the money. You know, some people are only in it for a minute, and it, and it's become very frustrating to me as registrar. I'm. I never thought like that. I just, I, I've known John for, for all these years and, you know, the Devons are not leaving this property. You know, they're, they're part of who we are. And we would never think not to register them. And if we were to sell them, they would, everything would be complete. You want to have a new owner have a wonderful experience. And at this point, you're getting, how many, how many registered cattle do you have now in Association Ballpark? I, I'm trying to remember if it was 1,200 or 18 or 2,000, somewhere in there. We're not quite up to 2,000, but, but the numbers are, I mean, since I've been gone this last week, I, I have probably 15 or 20 envelopes that's co that have come in the mail. 
so I don't know what they are, if they're transfers or if they're new registrations. Because there used to be few enough cattle to where you would know who had what Devon. Right. And now it's getting to be, that's a good thing, right? right? It's getting to the point where you have more cattle and you don't necessarily know exactly which cow came from which place. You think you do. John looks at them and he knows exactly where they came from. Right. <laughs> but but it really does the legitimacy is an important part of it I would think because cattle dogs people you know I had two parents that were brown-eyed and I came out blue-eyed mm. and you would never know from genetics sometimes until the second first second third generation down some of these things pop out where you might say well it looked like a Devon but it wasn't really exactly yeah and that you know since since we do it on the honor system that is so important because it's the integrity of the whole breed. So why are we, I volunteer, I volunteer, I cannot tell you how many countless hours. And, and when I first started, it was such a joy. And I've tendered my resignation several times to the board and they would not accept it um, because I'm frustrated with, with people that um, don't wanna just do what's right for the breed. So, okay, now that's something that's very common in nonprofit organizations. You're a nonprofit, are yeah. you not? Yes, we are. Yeah, so just straight out volunteer work, and that's sort of a thankless, godforsaken task. And that part didn't, wouldn't bother me, but it's, it's just, I've heard awful stories, some awful stories uh, from some new buyers, and my heart breaks for them because it should not be that way. If you're buying a Devon from a reputable breeder who has had Devons, um, keeps up with the registrations, transfers the paperwork timely, they're going to have a seamless entry into owning Devons and they're going to be joy-filled. But it bodes badly on the association because I'm the first person that they're talking to and saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I can't say anything bad about the breeder and say, well, you know, they never registered anything, so you're stuck. I can't say something, and it's frustrating to me. You have to be an authorized dealer to sell the That's authorized right. parts. Right. Well, actually, this is more. This is also more important now because you do semen sales as an organization. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Okay, and that's now we're now we're talking money. Oh yes. And shipping and artificial insemination. You start getting. It's not just a cheap and inexpensive thing that you might do once. This is there's costs involved in it. Yes, there are. Okay. So, so in that case, my only involvement is re, um, receiving the order for the semen, and then I contact North American Breeders and release, um, authorize that release of the semen, and then the buyer and North American, um, they make the arrangements. I'm out of it at that point. Okay, so if... Do you also, again, as a part of that thankless, godforsaken task, you happen to know the president very well, or the current president very well. <coughs> well, yes, I do. Yes, you do. John, <laughs> you have to be married to him. But you probably get a lot of the additional administrative calls, I would assume. What are some of the other things that sort of you, you have to deal with? Do you... Do you direct people to a knowledge center? Do you direct people to, what, what do you do on a daily basis? Tell me about what, what goes on. Well, there, there are different directors that have different um, skill sets. So if a call comes in, and like I, I've used Ray before, but there's something genetics um, that he can answer, um, or someone's having a problem, you know, he, 
he went to college for all that he he knows diseases and and he can really help somebody so I will point them in that direction John and I of course talk all the time and um, it's really great when we've gone across the country uh, to see people and and put a name with a face right now they're all faceless people but we um, stopped at a farm in uh, New York and um, met it's a living history museum we met some of the um, staff there we're not able to meet the director um, yet but he had some questions so he called up and it was just a wonderful thing to be able to to put John and him together you know and build that relationship and and help them because that's what we want to we want to see people fall in love with this breed and want to keep it historically on these these farms where where it should be these living history museums your position is not unique it is unique to the Devons but it is not unique to breed organizations because every breed organization needs a registrar correct yes yes okay now in my research they they have what's called the herd book so the herd book is the gospel is it not the historical record it and is correct me if I'm wrong on that. that you're very very correct yes so the herd book going Back as long as you can imagine, John got all Twitterpated because he had volume eight. Yes. Very <laughs> Nobody rare. else has volume eight. Yes. But really these things are very, very precious because that is the that's the preservation of the history. That's right. When they talk about the um, the ancestry of the Arabian horse or the uh, do I say Godolphin Arabian, I believe. Anyway, it's the one that started the thoroughbred line, right? One of the mm -hmm. three, the barb, the it, that is what's preserved there in the herd book, the lineage, That's and right. you are in charge of this. So does that mean someday, volume nine, or whatever might come, might have your name on it? Yes, I've had, I've, every two years, um, I've been registrar since 2014. So I've done one in, I'm not sure if I did it in four, I guess I would have had to put it in, I've done it every three years, okay. So I've done... Two herd books. Is that exciting? It, Is it exciting to think that maybe someday, a hundred years down the line, someone's going to look at that and say, "Thank God for Bonnie Hall." I never, never looked at it that way, but it's different <laughs> because the herd books that the association is is holding those are books that you can hold, and everything that I have done since I've been register is. You just push this button and it goes through email to our webmaster. So to me, it's not, I see it there, but it never, it's not like it's a bound volume. But so. it's the same thing, isn't it? It is. It is. But I guess in my mind, it uh, hasn't hit there yet. Okay. So I would like you to walk me through the process. I'm, I would like to register an animal. What do I do? So Madam you go, Registrar. So you go to our um, you go to our website, the association website, and you download the registration form, and you fill all that out. And I need everything filled out. We um, about two or three years ago, I uh, redesigned the form to make it easier with less paperwork. And um, so they fill that out if you're going to um, purchase an animal, register it, and, and maybe also sell it at the same time. It's just one form. Everything has to be filled out so I can get in touch with the uh, 
owner if I have any questions. Appropriate fees, um, everything has to have a tattoo, and then I assign a herd book number. And that goes with that animal forever. And that's it. And that's it. It's pretty easy. It's just that the that the person uh, registering has to have everything correct. If, if you tell me that that animal uh, is a cow and you write down it's a cow, but it's a bull in real life, you just messed up when you were doing it, it's going to get registered as a cow. Whatever you put on that paper, because I'm not going to question your name of your animal. But once it's there, it's there. Once it's there, it's there. So, John's been around, his family's been around, oh, I don't know, 1600, somewhere in there, something. A couple keeps, years. Yeah, somewhere in there. Can he trace back those animals back to way back then? Well, not in the, they didn't have a herd book back then. That's just all um, family. You're allowed to chip in, John. So, the question is how far can we trace back pedigrees? So pedigrees from any animals you see today that belong to our association can only be traced back to 1976 because that's when the herd book started with our association, the American Milking Devon Cattle Association. And some of the animals won't be traced back that far because in, in, when that association formed, there were maybe 200 Devons alive. That was it in the whole world. And... They started to a movement to preserve the Devon, which resulted in the formation of this association. And they started to go out and inspect cattle to make sure they were purebred, and then they accepted registration papers. And those are called the foundation animals. So were there foundation animals of a four or five bulls, and there were foundation animal of a bunch of cows, and we have all the original uh, registration applications for those animals stored away in our fireproof files. Um, for historical purposes, and every application that's been sent into this day is stored there as well. Um, but beyond that, there was no herd book for milking Devon cattle for probably 20 years or so. Um, there's been a consistent herd book for the Beef Devon Association that goes back to when both associations were covered by one breed association and the split apart came around 1955 or so. And the old American breed books that started, and I showed you a copy of the American breed book number one. Uh, and we have most of the copies, including the rare number eight, uh, right up until 1955. And then that split off and the herd book was kept with the Beef Devon Association. So there's a gap of 20 years or so where there's nothing for the milking Devon. But you have to realize that during that gap of 20 years, there were maybe only those 200 animals, give or take a, a dozen or so, alive anyway. That's all there were. They were that rare at that point. Because they used to have them in England and then they started crossbreeding. Right. They well, it, yeah. Well, in England, there's a herd book that started in England um, previous, I think that's 1850. I think I showed you herd book number one, the English herd book number one, their first endeavor to record pedigreed uh, Devons there. And there's been a consistent record. So if you're still with the Beef Devon Association, you can probably trace back that far. Milking Devon's different story because of the split that occurred in the 50s and going 20 years or so without a herd book or without an association, nothing. There was no, nowhere to register um, these animals at that point. So this is why, Bonnie, what you do is critical 
because it lets people know that this animal came from where they think it came from and is traceable to that, correct? Yes. Yep. So what is the thing that you enjoy more than anything else in your job? In your thankless, God-forsaken wasteland <laughs> task of a job. <laughs> I, I, love, I love registering the Devons. I love seeing it, it grow seeing new babies come in and, and uh, I love to see them uh, going to new homes that, that people appreciate them and, and want to use them for whatever purpose they want, whether it's a family milk cow or ox power or, or they want to start a little cheese niche uh, cheese market. So I, I love all of that. I don't like the problem ones. And I, and I, I know I mentioned that before, 99% are not a problem at all. Boy, if you got that kind of percentage, you're doing much better than the tax universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's, I, I love it. Yeah. I do love it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I, I would love to say to you that you're gonna have an exciting career ahead in this <laughs> volunteer that position that you have. Probably will not be, but I would also like to say that whether or not you know it, I'm assuming that 200 years from now, somebody might be saying, I am so glad we have this record. And it's all because of people like you. So, so thank, thank you. You both have been beautiful hosts thank while we've you. been here and taking us around. And we sure do appreciate it. But the Milking Devon people are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please tell your friends to join us. Please feel free to post any questions or comments that you might have to our social media sites. Our Twitter feed is at Backyard Green Films, spelled B-K-Y-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Instagram is at Backyard Green Films, B-A-C-K-Y-A-R-D-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-L-M-S. Our Facebook is Backyard Green Films. Our YouTube URL is youtube.com Backyard Green Films. We'd like to thank Bonnie Hall for taking the time to speak with us today. If you'd like more information about the American Milking Devon Cattle Association, please visit their website at milkingdevons.org. We would like to thank you all for joining us on this adventure of the Great American Cattle Drive 2020. With special thanks to the American Milking Devon Cattle Association. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, All Rights Reserved.